Welcome to the Breaking Through the Noise podcast, a show designed to help you cut through all the static and find the tips, tricks, and encouragement you need to make your business successful. Your hosts are Mark Wilson and Laurel Wright, two entrepreneurs like you struggling and striving to find the pro tips and hacks to be more productive and make more money. Their goal every week is to give you the resources and encouragement that will help you gain an advantage over your competition. So let's not waste any time and get started. Here are your hosts, Mark and Laurel. Happy New Year, Breaking Through the Noise listeners. Laurel and I are excited to kick off 2022 with you. I've got two quick updates before we get into our episode. First, Laurel is not with us today because she's been under the weather and is resting. She should be back with us soon and will no doubt be in rare form again. So get better soon, Laurel. And second, we are refocusing the content of the podcast to speak more directly to issues and ideas that can help our core audience, churches and nonprofits, address their marketing challenges. All the episodes from last year definitely address the marketing issues churches and nonprofits face, but in 2022, we are going to tailor the episodes to translate marketing ideas specifically into a church and nonprofit context. Upcoming episodes will address how churches can leverage YouTube properly, growing your church in a digital culture, using video effectively in social media, using Google ads, and so much more. And let us know if there are specific issues we can address to help your church reach more people this year, and we will be happy to bring it to you. So along those lines, I am excited to introduce to our audience to Daniel Ogle, pastor of the West Side Table, a church plant of Peachtree Road United Methodist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I met Daniel about six years ago when he attended a book study session I hosted and we hit it off immediately. We started working together to attract and engage with younger folks to his aging congregation through different expressions of worship and fellowship. Fast forward to 2019 when Daniel moved to Atlanta and was selected to launch the new campus for Peachtree Road. We all know what happened in March 2020, which staggered many churches that were well established, much less a church plant trying to build a critical mass. Let's meet Daniel Ogle and hear how he and his team launched a church in the middle of a global pandemic. So, Daniel, welcome to Breaking Through the Noise. It's glad to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Good to be with you. Um, let's talk a, a little bit about the church you've started in Atlanta, the West Side Table, and give, give the audience uh, a glimpse of what that church looks like today. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we are a second campus of Peachtree Road United Methodist Church in Buckhead, which is, you know, a traditional, large, um, kind of program-driven church in Atlanta. And so we're a second campus on the west side, really in northwest Atlanta. Um, We meet in a brewery, so that's probably what some people would say kind of makes a, you know, that's one of our calling cards, I guess. But we really... um, started with this idea about how do we create a place and a space and a community um, and just a way of being a church that kind of serves as a bridge for people to reconnect 
with God here in the city. You know, we what we found um, over the last several months, or really over the last year, is there are a lot of people who want to connect with the church. There are a lot of people who are looking um, to find a way, you know, to see and experience the intersection of God's grace and mercy in in their lives. And so we've tried to really intentionally think about what does that look like? And so um, obviously we've been doing in-person worship for about three months. Um, you know, we do a lot of local service, have a lot of local neighborhood partnerships in the community. Um, and really what we're trying to grow into is then how to really take a step forward around intentional faith formation, intentional faith development to help people um, you know, they've come to church, they're excited about what God is doing in their life, and so they want to grow um, deeper in their faith, so beginning to take steps to, to to provide opportunities and resources for them. So, Daniel, you started this whole church planning process, though, back in the, probably the last half of 2019. Right. Um, what was your strategy then in, in building a core group? You, the, the beginning back to the beginning sure. yeah we did we did a couple of different things you know I think one of the advantages we had coming from a large established congregation you know is that, is that we got to receive some folks kind of that that healthy DNA um, you know of a, of a vibrant vital effective church in the city so we were able to kind of build um, some early leadership with people who were there um, some folks who were really connected and really committed there, and then some other folks who I think maybe were looking for something a little different. And so we were able, um, you know, to introduce ourselves to them, what we were thinking about. And so they were really excited to be a part of it. You know, I think the second thing that was really helpful for us in the neighborhood, in the community, is we just really started asking questions. I mean, one of the first things we did is we 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 had a focus group with some 20-somethings. Now, we just simply asked them, like, what was the hole in their lives? You know, if, if a church could come in and, and make a difference in their lives, not even thinking about what that church needed to look like, you know, from a functional basis, but like, what were root issues that they were really struggling with that, that a church might be able to come in and be helpful about? I mean, you know this, I know this, you know, the church is really good at saying, you know, I have the answer to your problem without even understanding the problem you're trying to solve. Um, and so we really just began with asking those questions. And, and you know, for us, coming out of a lot of that, those listening sessions, I guess is what you would call them, is we identified two areas where we just felt like people were really looking for in the city. Um you know, we, we, we really heard people talk about struggling with loneliness, struggling with kind of an inability to make friends. And so we really, and that was pre-COVID and pre the pandemic, which has only exacerbated all of that. Um, and so we really began from the very beginning about how do we create community? How do we find a place to connect people with God and each other? And then the second piece is people want to make a difference. You know, they What's really important for a lot of our folks is that the church is practical and tangible in a way um, that improves the lives of people in our community and our neighborhood. So for us, we focus pretty heavily on um, 
you know, children and families, um, and particularly those who are under-resourced and underserved. So several of our um, mission uh, organizations that we work with, you know, one's a local elementary school, right? The Title I school that's under-resourced. You know, we work with a nonprofit here um, that was started by another church that has incredible outcomes for children and families in the school system. So we work with another organization that that really tries to address food inequity around Atlanta. So um, just things like that. So I would say community and making a practical and tangible impact in the lives of underserved people in our neighborhood were two things that we really identified pretty early. Yeah, and, and one of it, or a couple of those practical ways that you engaged people into community. And again, thinking about loneliness, you, you don't imagine that people living in a big, vibrant city like Atlanta, particularly in the West Side, where there's tons of things to do, sure. that that would be a problem. But, but that, you know, you wouldn't know that unless you asked people. So I, I love that you story branded that with with probably without even realizing you were story branding it. So um, one of the tangible, though, practical ways that you guys started building community in 2019 was, as I recall, you were having Saturday morning workout, group workout yeah. sessions that were, they look like from the pictures in the video, more social than workout, but but they were family friendly too. That's the only way I could make it through the workout was <laughs> to be more social. Um, so, so that was going and that people could invite people could and did invite their friends to, to be a part sure. of that. And then you, you were hosting some, some dinner opportunities to gather just casually and, and have dinner and, and conversation. Um, you know, you weren't really promoting an agenda other than, Hey, let's, let's get to know each other. Is, is, is that a, is that a accurate yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there was a little bit of difference between both of those things, you know, in terms of the workout, we just kind of identified that like in our neighborhood, in our part of Atlanta, um, you know, you can't throw a rock without hitting a restaurant, a brewery or a CrossFit or a yoga studio. So like those kind of elements are like, what do people want to do? So let's bring the church to them and not ask them to come to us. And so we really began thinking about what do people like to do and how can we show up in those spaces? You know, I think one of the things certainly in a big city, you know, um, in our environment is that a lot of our work is trying to show people that you can be a church and not be a jerk. And so for us, kind of creating opportunities where people can kind of let their guard down and just be around us is a win. Um, I would say our core group, and this is still the case, is even as that group has changed, evolved, and grown, is that one of our folks' biggest values is simply they want you to know they're so glad you're here. Um, they want you to feel welcome. They want you to know that they're just so grateful that you're around them or whatever we're doing they want you to know that they're just thrilled that you're there um, and I think a lot of that comes out of some of their unique background a lot of them have struggled with church so if folks are coming to church they want to make it as comfortable and easy for them as possible I think on the dinners 
and you know, quite honestly, we really only were able to have one through the pandemic, you know, and then the second one we had to cancel because COVID had kind of exploded in Atlanta at that point and everything shut down. Um, but we really kind of operated with this idea that the church has resources um, that speak to the deepest needs of people. Um, but sometimes we just have to rephrase those in a way so that we can get a hearing. Um, you know, the one conversation we were able to have at a local restaurant, we paid for the meal and, you know, had people come was that, you know, we're all struggling with busyness. We're all struggling with trying to, you know, fit everything in and try to live with purpose and meaning in our lives while we're, you know, I'm a parent while we're trying to work and, you know, get dinner on the table, get everything done for bedtime. So we really began to ask, like, so we really framed it around, like, what's the antidote for busyness? How do we find peace in the midst of the hustle? Um, and that's something anybody can relate to, whether you live in a big city or you live in a small town, whether you go to church, whether you don't want anything to do with the church, that's kind of a resource when we think about Sabbath, um, you know, living with intentionality and purpose, like those are faith things, those are gospel convictions and resources um, that anyone could benefit from. So we really tried to kind of look at it that way, I guess. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, the critical timing that, that occurred in your launch process. You guys were literally about to, to start your live worship together yeah uh in in a few weeks when the pandemic hit in march um so not only were you canceling the dinners that that you guys had scheduled for for the spring but you canceled everything that was happening yeah for sure so talk to me about that pivot that you had to make quickly uh and and to continue to keep connected and, and growing this you know, keeping this church plant idea alive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can remember a conversation I had with my boss, Bill Britt, who's the senior minister at Peachtree Road. Um, we were having a phone call and I was in my house and he said, Daniel, have you ever done uh, online church? I said, no, I never have, but I think we're about to figure out how to do it. And so from that conversation, we really began to think about, you know, in some ways the goals didn't change. Um, the essentials didn't change. It was really just what does the form look like um, in a lot of ways. And so, um, so we, wait, let me interrupt you there for just a second. Yeah. So what you're saying there is, hey, our 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 strategy and our values didn't change. We're we want to build community. We want to connect with people. We want to make sure, you know, they don't feel lonely in their own lives and and have have those have that community in their life, whether it's in, in the church, outside in the community, in the, yeah, is, that, mean, is that what you're saying there? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we did, you know, what we really began to think about is like, how do we introduce ourselves to people? Um, how do we support and encourage and nurture them in this incredibly difficult process that was scary, super terrifying. Um, and then how do we connect them in service in a way that they can make a difference? You know, because one of the things we heard again and again is like, I'm tired of being told to stay at home when people are hurting. Um, and so I would say we really had three primary ways that we did that. I mean, obviously, like everyone, we were doing online worship, um, you know, pre-recording, put stuff on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the stuff like 
but you know, we so we were doing that. Um, we also just divided up. We had an Excel sheet of all the people who'd connected with us. And so we just started checking in with them. I mean, we just kind of divided people up among our staff and we just started emailing, texting, calling on a regular basis just to make sure people knew that we were thinking about them. We were care we cared for them. You know, we were praying for them. And then at some point, we just kind of decided that, like, we got to do something here. And so because people are struggling, people are having a hard time. We had a lot of people who had lost jobs. We had a lot of people who weren't sure they were going to make it. And so what we did is we just connected with our nonprofit partners that we had built relationship with and said, is there any way for us to do service? Is there any way we can serve and bless you and the people that you serve? And so what we started doing was once a month, we had a monthly service project and we put those on Eventbrite. Um, I mean, it was just amazing who showed up to those things. Um, a lot of them were, of course, our people, but generally about half of them were people we had never met before. Um, and we were promoting those not only on Eventbrite, but obviously we were putting those out on Facebook and on Instagram, which, you know, like a lot of churches, Instagram is probably our biggest social media engagement piece. So not only were people signing up, but people in the neighborhood who kind of heard about us, who were connecting with us, saw, oh, these people actually care. These people actually care about our neighborhood, and they're trying to do something about it. Um, you know, there was one event, um, there's a there's a group in our neighborhood who's, who who they're trying to clear some space to create a trail where multiple trails will ultimately connect together in Riverside, um, which is in Northwest Atlanta. And so um, the Atlanta Seattle Seahawks fan group somehow found us on Eventbrite. <laughs> and so we had these like Seahawk fans showing up um, to do service to impact our neighborhood with a church. Um, you know, later we connected with um, a big corporation here in Atlanta um, who like they had like a service week and they had heard of us that like we did stuff like this. So like they brought a group out um, for stuff we did. So it was a great opportunity just to meet people, connect people, um, to work with people who were doing good in the city. You know, I mean, it's kind of that old thing, you know, um, we want to do good. You want to do good. We're not opposed. Let's just do it together. You know, and that's a that's a great point that one of the positives that came out of the pandemic was was that became magnified. And I don't think it was brand new. I think people are, have always been looking for ways to to give back to their community to to do good. It's just it became um, one of the only ways we could do things together, you know, during a during the 2020 pandemic was yeah. you know, serving and, and the fact you could guys did that outside, you know, I, this whole Seattle Seahawk thing, <laughs> I think it's hilarious, particularly yeah. in Atlanta with Falcons. But, but anyway, that's, yeah. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, one of the advantage, you know, I mean, what I try to think about, you know, we don't have our own church building. We rent space on Sunday morning at a local brewery um, in our neighborhood and so, like, you know, one of the things I saw was that, like, a lot of churches, and this is amazing, you know, they were doing ministry in their parking lots. Um, you know, we didn't have a parking lot. 
you know, we didn't have a building, you know, and so with that, the opportunity for us, as opposed to, you know, I think if you had a building, there were some opportunities there for us, because we didn't have a building, the opportunity for us is it forced us to get into the neighborhood, and it forced us to go to where people were, um, and I've always said that COVID is terrible. I mean, it's awful. It's impacted so many people's lives in profound ways that loss that they'll never get back. Um, but for us, I say in terms of, you know, our plan was to launch in September of 2020. Um, when we did launch in September of 21, we were so much stronger. Um, we had much stronger kind of, for lack of a better word, brand recognition in the neighborhood. People knew who we were. They knew who we were about. Um, you know, we've been worshiping, you know, for three, you know, almost three months now. And we haven't had a Sunday yet where we haven't had a first time visitor, um, you know, which is pretty, pretty nuts. That is. And, you know, obviously the pandemic wasn't, wasn't ideal, but, but it seems that, that it gave you guys that opportunity to, to, to build a stronger community, even though you couldn't be physically together, um, you know, it, like you said, it forced you out into the community. So you're not only internally building strong ties, but you were building ties outside. Yeah, I mean, you know, your how I've often, yeah, how I've often thought about it is that it clarified for us our values and how we were going to go about them. That the pandemic was really a clarifying force. Um, that not only clarified who we were and what we wanted to be about, but what was the most effective way for us to do that. So thinking about that, ex your, your experience, and, and obviously that, that experience during the pandemic is going to shape the trajectory of the West Side Table going forward. For sure. Um, what piece of advice, obviously, besides hiring church CMO, would you give a church or a pastor that was about obviously. to, yeah, obviously, that was about to embark on planning a new location or starting a new location or, or maybe even just starting a new ministry? What, how would you advise them to approach that in this new culture that we have been yeah. forced into? I mean, I think in some ways, like, you know, as an when you're in in a new situation, obviously there are some advantages you have. You know, you don't have to do it the way it's been done for 50 years, right? You know, I think there are also challenges, right, that come with that. Um, you know, for me, it's always about like, I mean, it's the most cliche thing in the world, but you know, people got to know you love them, and the neighborhood needs to know you love the neighborhood. You know the part of town where we live, there are a lot of churches coming around, you know, and um, I would say some of them, their messaging maybe isn't always that they love the neighborhood, you know, sure. and so I think you got to, particularly with people who are skeptical of church, you know, and we live in a neighborhood and kind of a part of town where I think that is, that is true. Um, you know, you've got, you've, you've got to find a way to overcome people's objections, um, and the best way for me, I think, to do that is um, to just show up in the neighborhood, to be for the community. You know, Andy Stanley, um, you know, Buckhead Church is not far from us. And, you know, I love their their thing is like we're for Atlanta. Um, we're for Atlanta because we believe God is for Atlanta. You know, and that's kind of we don't obviously brand ourselves the same way, but that's 
kind of has been our approach. We want people to know that we love them and that God loves them no matter what, full stop, no questions asked. Um, and to kind of communicate that um, as effectively as we can. You know, we use our social media um, approach, I think is probably best described as it's our way of trying to say, we're a new church in the neighborhood. We're trying to show you that if you've had a bad experience with church, that's not who we want to be for you. Um, we believe that you deserve better than that. We believe God wants better than that for you. And so we try to communicate that. Um, so I think, you know, it's just like learning the neighborhood and learning to love the neighborhood. Um, you know, we're not bringing God to this neighborhood. God is already here. God is already at work. So beginning to think about how can we join in in that? You know, and one of the things we saw is that like, we didn't see a lot of churches like really pouring into the neighborhood institutions. Um, so we really tried to think about, okay, where are the places that are already doing good that we can kind of bring more to? And so really trying to understand, you know, and, you, and when you show up and when you get in those things, you kind of begin to understand like, what are the issues? What are the causes? You know, what are the, what are the ways the church could make a difference? You know, I um. I just got an email this morning. We um, we provided lunch for teachers at, a, at an elementary school, and um, the principal just sent us a note saying, "Like you all man demonstrated the love of Jesus Christ by showing up for our teachers who are overwhelmed." I mean, it don't get any better than that. I mean, and exactly. that, that's something you could do as a church plant, that's something you could do if you're a 500 year old church, you know, show up at the elementary school um, with lunch, you know? So I, I think specifically in terms of when you're starting new, I think it's figuring out what the questions people are asking and trying to, trying to understand what the gospel offers to them and then like, just if you want to make a difference in the neighborhood, you got to be in the neighborhood. You know, you got to show up, you got to listen, you got to learn. Um, yeah, I have a friend of mine um, who used to work at a nonprofit, a homeless shelter here in town. And she said the number of churches who came and, you know, wanted to paint the mural, you know, on the outside of our building. Well, that's not what we needed. We needed them, you know, to show up and serve our clients. And so we want to be the church that always says, you tell us what you need and we'll deliver. Um, and so I think those are those are key. You know, I think, you know, and social media is such an opportunity um, to just um, just give life to people, you know. And, um, and so we just try to do that. Um, I'd say another thing, that maybe I should have mentioned earlier, Mark, was that I think you have to be open to who's going to come to your church. Great that, point. you know, we, when we started, we had one idea. We thought we would be kind of a church for like the youngish single professionals, could have a lot of those in our neighborhood. Um, but the more we got into it, the more we were around, the more we started doing stuff, children and families started showing up. And so it, that forced us to, in, a, in an incredible positive way, to think about our ministry and to think about, you know, if we're going to try to be, a, West, we say at Westside Table, there's a place for you. Everyone's welcome at our table. 
And so if we want to welcome children and families at our table, there's some really concrete things we have to do about that um, and, and, to, and to understand that. Daniel, I'm so excited about what you guys are, are doing and have, have gotten done in the future that's ahead for the West Side Table. For all my listeners or all our listeners in Atlanta, uh, search on Instagram for the West Side Table. Is that your at the West Side Table? Yeah, everything where it's just at West Side Table, one at word. Um, you know, we uh, one woman was looking for a restaurant and found us on Instagram. So that was kind of fun. So um, just, you'll see our, our logo is blue with a white table. So and I've got swag from your church on my desk, but it says round trip brewing. So uh, yeah. that's my that's my reminder uh, about the West Side table. Daniel, thanks again for joining us and sharing your insights and thoughts about <clears throat> you know, how to, how to use the tools, whatever tools you're dealt or whatever hand you're dealt to build community. And I think these are some great ideas um, for, for any, any organization that's looking to, to make a pivot uh, in, in their, their products, in their marketing, in, in the communities that they serve as a nonprofit or church. So Daniel, thanks again for joining us. It was a pleasure. And we will have you on again soon to, to get an update on the West Side Table. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate all your help and uh, all your uh, wisdom and insight and in helping us figure out how to make these pivots. So appreciate you. Fantastic. My pleasure. One of the most amazing parts of the West Side Table story happened behind the scenes that Daniel alluded to briefly. He mentioned that the key to staying connected with his core group at the time was through social media, emails, and phone calls. At this stage of their launch, Daniel hadn't recruited a staff, rented an office, or even invested in church management software. So probably out of sheer desperation, he listed all the people they had connected with over the past six months into a spreadsheet with their contact information and anything he knew about them. Here he could see all his people in one place, even if he couldn't see them in person, and he could at least keep track in the columns where they had been contacted and any notes from those conversations. He could also group people together by geography or common interests to create smaller groups that could stay connected together as well. And the second tool he employed was a free version of MailChimp to send out emails scheduled in advance containing important updates and information as well as teaching lessons on video and in text. This helped Daniel and his early leaders keep their constituents informed and a way for them to respond back with any of their needs during this crisis. Obviously, this is not the long-term solution for the West Side Table or your church to manage your church communications op and operations over the long term, but it does prove that we don't have to overthink our systems and processes, particularly in times of crisis. My pro tip for you today is when you are evaluating your church's systems and processes, always apply the filter. How does this solution help keep it simple and our people connected. 
If you need assistance in finding a simpler approach for your church, hit me up. My contact information is in the show notes or connect with me at churchcmo.com. I want to thank Daniel for spending a few minutes with us on the podcast today. I hope this has been an eye-opening conversation for you. The West Side Table is one of my favorite projects, not because it meets in a cool brewery, but because it is meeting people where they are in their lives, in their schedules, and in their communities. Daniel and his team are showing us that the church shouldn't be limited by church property lines or entrances and exits to the building. They are taking the gospel where it belongs, out in the world, for hurting and lonely people to engage with the good news and connect with each other. I can't wait to get an update on the West Side Table from Daniel this time next year. Thanks again for joining us on Breaking Through the Noise. Oh, and one more thing, if you're new to the show or haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and you will be automatically updated when new episodes come out. And if you can, give us a five-star rating so more people can find us and the help they need with their marketing. Make sure to share us with your friends and colleagues, too. Have a great week, and we can't wait to talk to you again next time on Breaking Through the Noise. Thanks for investing a few minutes with us on the podcast today. We hope Breaking Through the Noise will become your go-to resource for growing your business and yourself with our pro tips and life hacks. If you like what you heard, please do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if it was helpful, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, let's get connected. Hit us up on social media. Our links are in the show notes. Our theme music is from The Young Fables. Check out their latest album, Pages, on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. We'll see you again next week as we keep breaking through the noise.